Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we get to speak to Walter Finnegan. Now, Walter trains people from around the world on how to achieve their desired results by recognizing their potential, defining their purpose, and taking them in the direction of achieving their dreams. Before joining the John Maxwell team and becoming director of LEAF Advising, Walter enjoyed his work as an international educator specializing in growing and building organizational cultures. With over 20 years as an educator, from teaching in the classroom, principal of an alternative school, to managing and building charter schools, Walter has served youth teachers, parents, and communities striving to deliver stronger and healthier educational systems. Walter also worked diligently with organizations like the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Junior Civitan, and the Special Olympics to bring education and self-worth to youth. His belief and passion for our youth to be more do more and have more, is evident in his youth program in the community. Walter has gained an international reputation as a top educator and leader in the personal growth and development industry. He gives credit for every accomplishment he has ever had to God and his family. So welcome, Walter Finnegan. How are you? Doing fantastic. Thank you. Great. We are so happy to have you on our podcast. And as you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. And we want to do that today by asking you key questions. So Walter, are you ready to pour into our listeners? I sure am. Glad to be here. Walter, can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now? Sure. So I started off as an educator teaching in the classroom as a special education teacher. I did that for about five years then I was able to move to a state facility and had the opportunity to work with severely handicapped adults. During that time, I had another great opportunity to develop a nonprofit organization, which allowed me to come up with a system to employ those handicapped adults and offer the ability to kind of try out assistive technology across the state of North Carolina for free before they could purchase it. Because a lot of parents, if they needed assistive technology, you couldn't just try it out in a store. You'd have to buy it online. And so this was kind of a try before you buy type program. And what we did is we would purchase the equipment through a grant and the folks that we employed, they would actually package it and ship it out to these families like a seven-day turnaround program. This saved families thousands of dollars. So that was a neat opportunity that I had. It also gave the youth that I was working with in a 24-hour facility, it gave them the opportunity to uh, have some meaningful employment. So I did that for a few years until the grant ran out. And then I was able to return back to the school system after that grant 
closed. And then when I went back to the schools, I was in the elementary school setting. And then I had kind of the reputation of being the repairman, meaning that I got to travel around to different schools in the county where teachers had left. I was the guy that came in and took over and kind of brought the classroom back into order for the remainder of the year. And that gave me a great opportunity to work with different levels, different classrooms. During that time, I also was able to get certified in almost every field, except English. I stayed away from English. (laughs) Lots of opportunities for me. But I ended up getting the opportunity to take over an alternative school. That was my first real taste in a full administrative role. Was it an alternative high school? It was middle school through high school. And when I got into that role, I really enjoyed it. It was tough. It was a lot of time. But the funny part is, is I really thought I knew what I was doing. But when I look back now, I didn't have a clue. But that developed into a lot of other opportunities for me, which eventually led me into the charter school world. And for the last 15 years, I've been growing and developing charter schools, which that opportunity just taught me how to manage multi-million dollar businesses, implementing new programs, which then led me into my own company, Leaf Advising, where I focus on school cultures, uh, working with youth and working with business cultures and transforming cultures inside of a business and going from toxic to productive. So that's kind of my path. Our paths are similar in that I started as well as a special ed teacher. And certainly, it's not the easiest way to start. You said that there were opportunities or times when you were tested. You said you loved it. What was it about it that you loved and how did it help grow you? I learned how to really relate to someone. So when I started working with kids, that was one level of a disability. And those children, you know, back in the the 90s, there were no rules. And when I say that, I mean, we had 30 children in a classroom with one assistant in three different grade levels. So we learned to educate the best way that we could. And you had to create the curriculum yourself. And the challenge there was making them feel the same inside that classroom because you when they left that classroom, it was going to be tough. Making that classroom their safe zone. I learned so much in there from those kids. They taught me how to be a better caring, loving individual as an educator in those first years of being a teacher. Because when you come out of college, 23, 24 years old, you think you know what you're doing. They taught me how to be compassionate. Um, I think that's what I learned in those first years. And then going to the residential center, I learned a different level because a lot of their disabilities, they didn't have a lot of control over some of the things that happened. That was an understanding that I had to grasp that some things were out of their control. And things happened that you just had to deal with and you had to gain a certain tolerance level and understand that that's just the way it was and things were going to happen and you still had to teach them if there was going to be a certain level of agitation, that's just the way it was going to be. But you still had to figure out, well, how are you going to teach them how to package that item? And learning that tolerance level, that was another huge piece. When you then go out into a traditional classroom where you're building your own school, like in charter schools, you know, you're building K-12 schools and you're dealing with a wide variety of people. I was equipped in ways that I never imagined. Right. It stretched what you thought you were capable of doing, correct? Correct. And I didn't look at it that way in those early years. 
I can certainly relate to this because I also learned to love and learn to value and learn to see the possibilities in other people when they didn't even believe in themselves. Yes. Now, Walter, how would you describe your leadership style? I'm glad I get to answer this question and not someone else. (laughs) (laughs) So with the DISC certification, I'm a DI, so I'm fast-paced and I enjoy that kind of playful, fun interaction of getting the job done. I'm kind of naturally inspiring. Ultimately, I want to add value to folks. But early on in my leadership with that DI personality, and then I didn't understand this as an early leader. Can you explain that? Because some of our listeners may not know what that is. Sure. So with dispersonality, there's D, I, S, and C. So D would be your high energy type person a dominant, a Mm -hmm. go-getter. I is uh, all about enthusiasm. Those two character traits are all about action. Your S is a very supportive type person. They're kind of quiet and laid back and they're going to watch things happen. When I think of an S type person, if you're in a meeting and that person is always listening and they ask very few questions. When that S type person asks a question, you better listen and you better be ready. Your C type person, that's your person that loves data. So DISC is all about your tendencies and your priorities. For me, being that high energy type person, I was all about, I want to be first. You know, if something new comes down a lot, I want to be first. As a new educator or as a new leader, new principal, like when a new program came out, I was like, oh, we got to get that. We need to be on that. Right. Um, And that was a problem in the beginning. So I had to learn to be careful with that and slow down. And and I had to surround myself with an assistant principal to kind of tone me down a little bit and slow me up and say, hey, Walter, we don't need that. We've already got six, you know, behavior intervention programs. (laughs) So slow down. So I'm curious, Walter, because you know that about yourself. So to surround yourself with people who can temper right? Or can add wisdom to us. It takes intentionality. Was that something that you did intentionally or just landed that way? When I got into the charter school world, I was fortunate that I had a mentor Mm -hmm. and he told me, you've got to have a great team or you're going to fail. And that's where I learned that I didn't necessarily realize that I was a DI at that point. But he told me, you can't have everything you want. You got to have someone next to you that's going to compliment you. And that's the first time that I realized that was about 13 years ago when I really had the first mentor in my life. And I love that you listened. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We have to listen. We have to kind of step back if we're going to be effective and if we're going to add value to people. We certainly need to have those kinds of people in our lives. Thank you so much for sharing that. Is there anything else you wanted to say about your leadership style? It's constantly improving. Love that. Now, Walter, which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why? I've got two that really stick with me, and one is a little bit more personal than the other. But So my basic one is John Quincy Adams, our sixth president, and that's, if your actions inspires others to dream, learn more, do more, and become more, then you're a leader. Love that. It's a great one. And then one that has been with me for years is Winston Churchill, never, ever, ever give up. And the meaning with that one is from when I was 
younger. I was in my 20s. I was working HVAC, heating and air conditioning, in college. If anyone's ever worked air conditioning, you got to put these things called slips on to put two pieces together. And that was my job. It was miserable. I hated it, but I had to do it. And I was about ready to give up. And the owner of the company, Mike Message, came up to me, looked at me, and he said, Walter, you get a paycheck every Friday? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, if I got frustrated, and every time I get frustrated, what if I gave up? And he just looked at me, and he said, Winston Churchill said, never, ever, ever give up. He said, I don't ever give up, Walter. And he looked at me after that, and he just walked away. And I said a few choice words at that point. And I finished the job and that has stuck with me since the 90s. And I've since looked up that speech, listened to that speech from Winston Churchill, October 29th, 1941. Winston Churchill's in Harrow Hall. And he said that these are not dark days. These are stern days. You've got to have an unbreakable spirit. Mm. And I've realized, especially since now, having my own business, what Mike meant when he told me that, you know, what would I do if I gave up? And do I get a paycheck every Friday? We're faced with such tough decisions all the time. And as leaders, whether you're leading a school, you're leading a business, you're leading a company, the things that we deal with, the decisions that we have to make on a minute to minute basis, you can have an unbreakable spirit because you've got so many people depending on you. And mm. Churchill was right. You know, you can't give up right. and we can't look at it as dark day. Mm. It might be a bad day, but tomorrow's a new day. And that has just stuck with me and served me very well for all my years. And I have since tracked that man down probably about 10 years ago and wrote him a very long letter and talked to him about twice a year now. So uh, I love that story because it just reflects resiliency and grit. And it seems to be so important to you and it seems to be something that really drives you. How important is that to have uh, as a leader in education? In education, you have to have resiliency and grit because there are not too many bright days. So if you're a principal superintendent, you know, you deal with negative things nonstop. Your phone calls are upset parents. Teachers are unhappy. It's not very often that someone walks up to you and says, hey, great job. That's not what our jobs are as um, leaders of schools. We're putting out fires. It's very rare that we get a compliment. And when we do, you got to hold on to that tight and you got to remember that feeling because the next one could be a couple weeks, a month. Mm-hmm before you get another one. So you've got to hold on to it. Right. And remember why we do what we do. Exactly. It's not about us. It's about those kids in that building. Okay. So what type of leader are you inspired by and why? What inspires me is a leader who stands firm in their faith. That's what gets me fired up. That's what keeps me going. And that's what I have put probably the last 15 years all my stock in. And I would say the last 10 years, I really just tried to be that person. It's changed my life. When you think about the type of leader who puts their faith first, unpack that a little bit for me. What does that look like? So having put all my faith and trust in God, Mm-hmm. and seeing folks when tested with their faith. And I get it. There's all kinds of faith. And I've shared with the boards that have hired me that I'm a man of faith. And if you can't hire a man of faith, then don't hire me because that's what you're getting. And I've been very upfront with that. So do I pray before a meeting? Yes. Do I pray before a parent-teacher meeting? Yes. I do those things. And I've seen 
other people that, that I've known and, and work with that will stop and they won't do those things anymore because of their employer. You know, if you say that you believe in that, then you shouldn't change that because of your paycheck. So you're inspired by a leader who has integrity. Yes. So whatever you believe, I respect everyone. But if you stand on your belief or what you say, then you need to follow through with that. If you're going to move up in rank and for a raise, don't change who you are. I did that. I lived that life. It didn't serve me well. That's me. I'm very passionate about folks who are true to who they are. Those are folks that I like to surround myself with. Well said. And certainly you're speaking of a leader who inspires me as well. Someone who does have the integrity, who does what they said they would do, and who believes in something bigger and walks the talk. Thank you so much for that. Introducing Master Leadership at Schools podcast, where educators and students work together to learn powerful leadership concepts and the skills necessary to podcast so as to create Master Leadership at Your School podcast. So join me, Lily Sanabria, to create something of greater significance. Learn more at masterleadership.org forward slash MLS. Now, Walter, what's the best advice you've ever received? Failure is just a result. Mm. Learning from our mistakes and evaluating those results. That's been the best thing that I've come to terms with in recent years. Been so judgmental on myself until probably the last 24 months of my life. And just learning that when I do something, that I'm just getting a result. And Mm -hmm. taking that result, and if it's a result I don't like, what did I like about it? And how can I make sure that I don't get that same result? And then moving on, that's been instrumental for me here lately. Best advice. I'm sure someone gave it to me years ago, but I wish I would have understood it and uh, wrapped my arms around it a long time ago. I know. Isn't that funny how that works? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We don't listen when we're young. (laughs) Um, But you said something, Walter, that really speaks to me as well, is that we're so judgmental about ourselves. We're judgmental of other people, but about ourselves. And I think that's where the core lies. You know, I learned something recently that when we're hard on ourselves, when we're so judgmental about ourselves, that also will filter down to how we treat others. And that made me kind of step back and really start to deal with this. Because quite often people will say, well, you're hard on yourself. And we're okay with that, with being so judgmental on ourselves and that negative talk. But to me, when I learned that it can translate to how we work with other people, how we deal with other people, then it shifted. Now it's something I really need to work on because I don't want to hurt other people. Yeah, that's so true. Wow. You just opened up a huge door for me. As an educator, the harder we are on ourselves, the harder we are on children. That's deep. Like for years, it was okay for me to be hard on myself. And not that we shouldn't. But to be judgmental and negative about ourselves has its consequences and we don't realize it, but as judgmental as we are with ourselves, that will reflect on other people. And if we get that, then we're in the right space to start to change that. And I think that's where it's so important to have a coach in our lives, right? Oh, yes. Just like the conversation we're having here, you just enlightened me with (laughs) two minutes of a conversation. My coach is able to unpack things for me that I don't see weekly that has helped grow my business 
Yeah, a coach is absolutely amazing. The value is incredible. And it's important that we invest in ourselves because our students, those that are around us, deserve the best of us. I thank you so much for bringing that up. So Walter, what does it mean to have a good team and how do you build or sustain one? Like I said earlier, I knew that I needed someone to slow me down. So you got to have a good team to have a great leader if you want to have a great organization. Because mm-hmm. you want to be able to empower people. If you're a leader and you're just barking orders, that's not leadership. You know, when I started off and I told you about my first leadership role with the alternative school, I loved being the leader, but I really don't know if I was a leader. You've got to be able to let people have some freedom to demonstrate what they know, what they can do. You can't let things slide. The rules are for everybody. If your administrative assistant is five minutes late, you've got to call them on it. You can't just let that go by. If you're going to get the janitor for being five minutes late, you've got to write up everyone equally. If you're in the corporate world, the mission is the main key. The profits are going to come if you focus on your mission and your people. In the educational realm as well, the mission is the key if we're all focused on that together. Yeah. So I've been working with several organizations here the last four or five months on recreating, redeveloping their mission, their vision, and their belief statement. And when we start out of the last five, three of the organizations, the employees had no idea what the mission and the vision of the company was. And you ask them, why are you here? And they just look at you. Three of these places that I'm speaking of were educational systems. They're there just because it's a job. Where's that company going? Where's that school system going? What are the results? So if you're a leader and your people don't know why they're there other than they're just coming to work, you've got to do some thinking, some restructuring. You've got to really work on the culture of your business. And that starts with the leadership. A lot of that is trust. And folks have to trust the leader with everything. And if they don't trust the top, you're not going to be able to transform the culture of that company. And you're not going to make a great organization and you're not going to have a good team. So to build that team, you've got to build, you've got to change yourself. Going back to what we just talked about, you've got to have a coach so you can see your blind spots. So those are just a few things to help that organization become great. Mm. And you mentioned a couple of things, being accountable yourself, right? Holding people accountable and that we need to know how to navigate where we're going. You need to have that vision and help navigate them. But you said something that really struck my heart. You said empower and you also mentioned trust. And for a leader to do that, they need to be confident and secure. Yes. Can you speak into that? Knowing that everyone in your company, whether it's the vice president, the vice principal, the secretary, they're not there to take your job. They're there to help you. Your job is to build leaders at all levels. And that's where trust comes in. A lot of problems that I see is people get caught up in worrying about, I'm going to lose my job or I'm going to be out of a job if Mrs. So-and-so gets too good. If they get too good, well, that's great. That's what we should be doing. We should be adding value to people constantly to make them better because that just makes us better. Mm. They're able to move on. And if they can do the job better than we can, then I look at it as we help them do that. And if it bump us, then we're not growing at a fast enough rate. If we're not comfortable in who we are, worried about someone taking our spot, then should we really be the leader? That's the question that I would ask myself. And, you know, I love that you said our job is to build leaders. 
and it does take a secure and confident leader to give that power away um, and to be humble, to recognize there are some strengths that other people have that we don't. And to give that power away would mean to have humility. So I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Now, Walter, can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it has shaped your life? It's a big one, Lily. Okay. In 2013, I was on my way to work at a school, and I was hit from behind while I was stopped at 55 miles per hour. <gasps> and that left me unable to walk, talk, take care of my basic needs. That left me with a traumatic brain injury. Wow, Walter. Yeah. During this time, my family and me included... We learned how fast comfort goes away. We lost our home, we lost our savings, and we lost what we would call normal routine. But going through all of that was probably one of the best things that happened to our family, but I regained a new sense of normal that helped me become who I am today. Mm. It's given me a lot of war stories, a lot of great teaching points. It sounds terrible. It, it wasn't a fun time, but it drew our family closer together. I thought it, I had a great life, and you know, I did. But it took our family to another level of closeness. We cherish and value every single moment even more than we did. Things like that. How did that shape my life? Time, family, priority are a lot different than they were. Walter, thank you so much for sharing that. The perspective that you now have in working with students or individuals with disabilities or differences. You have a deeper perspective, you have a deeper understanding. And that's something that unless you've gone through the experiences you've gone through, people don't get, right? So true. So you have this connection that's deep. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, can you tell us about one of your greatest successes? Well, outside of my recovery, one that just happened was being nominated for the JMT Culture Awards. What? Yeah, and two times in one year this year. So that was a huge honor. So tell us about that. So the John Maxwell team has is set up in the John Maxwell team culture. Every February, there's an IMC, an International Maxwell Certification. It's actually twice a year. John Maxwell has a list of values that every team member should display at all times. And you can be nominated for them by other individuals individuals within the team. And there's a lot of team members. So this year I got an email that I was nominated for two of the values, one being consistency and the other equipping others. It was really touching because Number one, it comes from another team member within our tribe. And I guess that's what made it so special. It comes from someone else. It comes from the things that you do from someone else. And I have no clue whether or not it's been received. And quite honestly, for me, it's the nomination that's what's important to me. It just really touched me very deeply. And I can hear that in your voice. That's pretty amazing to be honored in this way by your peers. Inconsistency and equipping others. What about those two values sparks your heart? You know, I'm involved with the Global Youth Initiative. And John Maxwell says, and, and I might lose it when I talk about this, Lily, and I'm sorry. It's okay. Talk about it. John says, we add value to other people. In the last several years, I've heard that. I've seen him talk about it. And I've seen him get emotional about it. I've seen it. I've heard it. My work the last year or so with Gina 
Watts with the Global Youth Initiative and, and doing the calls, helping folks get ready for the Global Youth Initiative. We go all over the globe doing youth programming about believing in yourself and being more anti-bullying, positive self-image. We have no clue the lives that we impact when we do this. We don't know when it's going to change their life or how it's going to impact their life and at what time it's going to impact their life. That equipping others has just really hit home with me this year. I don't know if it's with the youth that I've done, uh, traveling around North Carolina. We just don't know the impact that we leave on someone else and how we can change their lives. And this nomination validates all the work that you've done and that it's valuable work. Yeah, mm. it's special to me. It just it means a lot to me. Thank you so much, Walter, for sharing that and for sharing your heart. You know, your vulnerability is courageous. It certainly equips us too to not be afraid to do that. We need to be that for other people. Now, Walter, what would you tell a new leader who's discouraged about their working climate or culture? First of all, it's going to take time to change that culture. It doesn't happen in a day. The culture didn't get negative or toxic overnight. There's no quick fix some ways to figure out what's going on in the culture. And these are some things that it's not going to fix the culture, but it's going to give the leader an idea of the clicks inside the culture. Because inside every culture, you've got your positive folks, you've got your whiners, <laughs> mm -hmm. and then you've got your negative people. And then you've got people that they're not going to do anything. But if you do a couple of quick things, you can figure out who those people are and then start to craft what you need to do to start to change that culture. But it, until you figure out the different groups the clicks or the dynamics of the team, you can't do anything. So what I like to do is volunteer together, clean up the school. Can you do a volunteer day, you know, do the flower beds, or is there something in the community that's going on that all your positives are going to show up. You're going to know the people that are going to be willing to work and try to help you. That's going to give you a good sign. Physical activities, you know, can you pull together something to get them active? Professional development, who are the people that are sitting in the back on their phones? that are not engaged whatsoever. You've got to do something to figure out those clicks. You're gonna to have to do the work on the mindset. You've gotta get the people on your page. You've gotta to start to change things. You gotta start putting your initiatives in place, how you're gonna change or what you're doing to get things moving. So you've gotta get things going with the mindset. You know, It's not all about teaching, it's about the activity that you bring every single day to the building, how you're carrying yourself, how you're interacting. If you are in your office, you better have those doors open. So mindset, attitude, get conversation started to start building that trust. That's gonna be key to get that culture changing in a way that you want it to go. What about if you're not the person in charge? Like what if you're the assistant principal? You need to start having real conversations with the principal. If that principal's not receptive, it's tough. If you've got a principal that's not willing to change, you know, the first thing I want to say is, you know, start putting in applications for other schools. That's really not feasible all the time, but you got to start dropping hints that they've got to change, you know, and you can try putting in your own initiatives and see where they go. Great. Thank you so much. Now, many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What does that mean to you? And what are you learning now? 
I'm learning every day now. I don't take a, a moment for granted. Lifelong learner is truly just that. I'm really just beginning to learn. I feel like I'm a little kid and I'm kind of like maybe in elementary school when it comes to leadership. There's so much knowledge out there. We're just tapping it. Things that I'm learning now, oh my goodness. I've got so many books open. Uh, things that I'm working on. I'm, I'm working with police departments right now. So I'm doing a lot of studying with how police departments run their training facilities. I've learned more about how to do a police chase than you'll ever imagine. I'm learning a lot about the companies that I'm working their needs come up and as we work on their visions i'm learning with them so i can guide them in a faster direction as we plan their next three to five years so as a leader you continue to learn you continue to grow and you're very intentional about it yes and you know what you don't know <laughs> yes ma'am love that okay if there was something you could change in education in the u.s what would that be very tough question. My main answer, I think, would be school choice and giving parents the choice to just choose the best selection of school for them. There's all kinds of different debates about this, but put aside all the different legislative mumbo jumbo and just let parents choose the best school, whether it's public, private, charter, the best school for them. And then if I could just really just go out there on a limb, if every child could just have the same education across the board. So equity is important for you. Oh, yes. Every dollar would just be the same. These funding formulas are just outrageous. But if a child in New York City and the same child in Nebraska Everybody got the same amount of funding in every school. If all of our kids were educated equally and parents could just say, you know, this is the best school and, and I will want my child to go here, that would be great. Thank you so much, Walter. Now, Walter, what have you read that our listeners should read and why? Great book that my mentor has shared with me. And this book I've been studying for probably the last year is... Who, W-H-O, and if you are doing anything with hiring people, you've got to get this book and read it. It's by Jeff Smart and Randy Street. It is fantastic. The next book is H3, Leadership, Be Humble, Stay Hungry, and Always Hustle. Brad Lomick, another fantastic book. And then another book that just really impacted me this past year was uh, John Ortberg, soul keeping, caring about the most important part of you. And that book will touch you deeply. And anything, John Maxwell? Of course. Um, <laughs> and then Think and Grow Rich, that's a daily read for me, part of my daily habit. Now, speaking of daily habits, what do you do on a daily basis to set your mind? Oh, my goodness. My day starts off with prayer. Mm -hmm. And my day continues with prayer. That keeps me centered. Also, 15 minutes on the bike, and you know, my day is pretty scheduled. But to keep my mind focused, prayer is what keeps me going. That's your main go-to. That's my go-to. Now, if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? Schedule my day, schedule breaks. I would have started praying when I was much younger. 
the mistake that I made was I worked nonstop and I sacrificed everything to an extent. I would tell the younger me that I need to spend more time with my family and friends because it's not about the money. Opportunities are still going to come, but your family and friends aren't always going to be there. Those are things that I would tell the younger me. Now, Walter, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners that you haven't addressed? Well, my organization is Leaf Advising. I work with organizations of all different sizes. Um, I work with police departments, fire departments, schools, and we work with changing the culture from the inside. The best way to reach me is Walter at leafadvising.net. And that's L-E-A-F? Yes, Leadership Education advising and faith. In closing, I guess the thing that I like to share with folks is we all have days. We don't know how many days. We got to make them count. We got to do more today than we did yesterday. Don't take any minute that we have for granted. Tell everyone that you've come in contact with that you love them. Smile often and all day long because Mm. life is a blessing when you know what your why is. Love that, Walter. I want to honor you because you've shared a part of your life that was quite difficult, but it shifted everything for you. Thank you, Walter, so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thoroughly enjoyed. And I appreciate you for all that you do. Thank you. Hello leaders, in closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.